All right, everybody, listen up. If you're not 18 or over, this podcast is not for you. So just turn around and walk away. You got that? Good. Masocast, where conversation is easy. Conversation. Words are jumping. Jumping when and almost nobody's high. Almost nobody's high. You've got an itch and will masocast scratch itchy scratching. So talk all you kingsters. Masocast won't cry. Hello and welcome to another Masocast. Yes, I know. I know, I'm excited too. A couple of quick things. A huge thank you. I don't know if I can use her name. I completely... Well, she knows who she is. Someone who made a very nice uh, donation to the Massacast. I, now, I, now I feel like some sort of pressure that I have to do a good job now. So, you know, it's bittersweet, I guess. But no, thank you so much. It was really very generous of you and very kind. And this week, um, someone who I actually met her at a few events here in New York City. And finally, uh, we managed to sit down in Central Park and... Um, uh, and have a nice conversation. It's Mistress Saad. Uh, you can see her website, mistresssade.com. You can also find the link on massacast.com. She also has a blog, and then she's a you know she's just awesome person. You got to check it out. Just like all the other people on the Massacast are awesome, except for the host. He's kind of a kind of a suspicious character. So I sat down with her in, in beautiful Central Park. It was like one of the first really nice days out, and uh, of course I asked her how she got started. In kink. I was this naturally aggressive, dominant, sadistic, but ultimately very loving in all of those things towards anybody that I was attracted to, my friends, etc. And by the time I started dating, you know, becoming sexually aroused brings out the sadistic side in me. <laughs> and that wasn't uh, received too well. My first boyfriends were all very threatened by me and just didn't understand me and would tell me to stop being that way and I didn't know any other way to exist. For, for me, I, <laughs> I grew up in, in North well, there were no women like that there. If you were in high school with me, you probably would have ended up being one of my friends who called themselves my bitches. Oh, okay. And I was never intimate sexually with any of them, but I had quite a few through high school and... Our relationship was, looking back on it, we didn't know what S&M was whatsoever. That's what made my entire self-discovery process somewhat difficult, is I had never seen a magazine, I'd never even heard the terms, I had no idea what it was. Like, you'd show me Betty Page and I'd think, girl in a bikini, whatever, I don't get it. Um, but they were submissive masochists, and we would do things, <laughs> it's almost embarrassing to talk about. Um, we would see who could take the most and hardest kicks to the balls, who could hang the heaviest keychains off their nipple rings. Just goofy shit that they do on Jackass that we thought was more in line with Jackass than S&M. And I haven't really stayed in touch with more than a couple of them, and a few of them are now in the scene, and we're really surprised to find out that I was also, and you know, still excited, whatever. But uh, the rest of them, I don't know if it ever went anywhere with them like it did with me. D dating boys and that side of me would come out. I started dating late in high school. I didn't date young. Um, by the time I started dating and that side of me was coming out, 
then I realized, oh, maybe this is sexual excitement, and then I was being rejected for it, and so it was a very painful process in that instead of embracing it, I started to hate myself. Mm. But so then... You, did you find yourself pushing, uh, pushing away from those desires then? Yeah. I hated myself for them. I didn't want to have anything to do with them because the people that I was most interested in accepting, loving, wanting to be around me were terrified of me. And I wasn't really doing anything crazy. You know, I wasn't asking to pierce them or anything. You know, I wasn't asking to whip them. I just wanted to wrestle while we were in bed and get rough. Or be the one getting rough. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, I guess that, that experience really had a big impact on why I loved being a pro so much. Because when I was finally brought into the professional scene was the first time everything was really clarified for me. I had a vocabulary for things that I had felt and done my entire life. So suddenly it's like an explanation of everything. Here are all the answers and here are all these people who will fear you based on respect instead of for the sake of fear. And it was very quick for me to turn around how I felt about myself and because they were able to accept the sadistic part of me as well as the nurturing part of me and that made it possible for me to it's kind of an emotional subject for me well, that's, well we can talk as little or as much about it as, as you'd like obviously true <laughs> well, at least with you I'd like to get the whole story out instead yeah. of just cutting it off right there Yes, please. they made it possible for me in a very short period of time to fully love and accept myself in all aspects and to explore that. And so many of the clients that I started seeing really had that same problem that I had, where everybody in their life had rejected this side of them or they were too terrified to share it in the first place. And so in a lot of ways, I just wanted to be for them what they were for me. To create this safe environment where no you're not a sicko you're not weird there's nothing terribly unusual about this and just because you're a sexual deviant doesn't mean you're a, a psycho that should be on CSI you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah how did you discover you know going into it professionally so yeah I had this girlfriend on MySpace that was just like you need to come to the dungeon and I was like oh why the hell not and so I went there, and it just changed everything. My first day there, I sat in on a session, and I was just sitting there smoking a cigarette, watching my friend and the headmistress of the dungeon doing a very heavy, very heavy corporal and fisting scene with this client that was very quiet and non-responsive. He's just one of those that gets very quiet. And I'm just sitting there watching them the whole time, watching her use the whips, and I'm thinking, Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I started like fidgeting and I'm like, it is not my place to interrupt their scene. I had no idea about scene ethics or etiquette or anything like that, but I was just like, I don't want to interrupt, but I really want to jump in there. And then the guy whispered something to Gia, who is the headmistress, and she comes over to me and she goes, he would like you to fist him. You don't have to, but if you want to, you know, you can. And I was, 
It took every ounce of self-control that I had not to jump out of my chair and shove my bare fist up this man's ass. So I get gloved and she talks me through it quickly. I've, at this point, I've never done anything with a man's ass and it revolutionized my life and my sex life and my sexuality and everything. I stuck my fist inside that man almost up to my elbow and I still see him to this day and I thank him every time I see him. <laughs> well, at that point you realize, okay, this is who I am. No, I didn't really realize that this was who I was. I was just, it was just starting to dawn on me that this is a consensual application for what turns me on. That there are men who, and women who are going to get turned on by the fact that I'm aggressive and that I'm dominant and that I love to hurt you because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so it hadn't really sunken in yet that, oh, I'm kinky, I should be a dominatrix or anything like that. We had a quick conversation after the session. I didn't stay all night. You know, I wasn't working there yet or anything. I was just asked to come by. And Gia took me aside and she's like, you know, not all sessions are like that. They're not that hardcore. You know, you don't have to be everybody that hard. And, you know, you don't have to do fisting or anal play if you don't want to. And all I could think was, like, I'm more disturbed by the fact that I'm not the least bit disturbed by any of the... That was a really extreme session. And it just all... All I could think was yes. <laughs> and then the very next day, I started working. So how, how did it change your sex life? I mean, uh, obviously... You I didn't have one. Because you, it was all work? No, because I was dumb enough to be honest about what I did for a living. <laughs> and I would tell them on the first date, this is what I do, this is who I am, and I'm not ready or willing to compromise that unless we get really serious and it becomes a problem. And how did... So you said you, so you didn't date at all because of your job? I tried to. I knew from my experiences at the dungeon that I was tired of just having vanilla sex as an option. I wanted possibility. I don't have to have it. I don't have to have it all the time. You know, we don't have to always be dominant and submissive. I just want play to be an option mm -hmm. on occasion, and I didn't meet anybody in the scene that I wanted to have sex with, except ass rape. <laughs> I love to fuck people in the ass, but yeah. That's yeah. not really, I mean, even though that is fun, <laughs> don't get me wrong, it's awesome, but... Uh, <laughs> It's a different kind of relationship. Yes. But yeah, I've never had a boyfriend that would let me fuck him in his ass. So you, you found, you said you, the way you phrased it was, you never met someone in the scene who you wanted to fuck. Let alone date. Is that a detriment to the scene or is that because, or is it because of your profession? No, I think it's more or less what, per, what attracts me to somebody in the first place. Um, which is hard to put your finger on. I mean, I was a, a model in New York for an agency for a little while, and I was around pretty boys all the time, so just looking good was never really enough for me to begin with, and then being around male models all the time, it became more of a turn off to just be pretty. 
Um, Tell me about it. I get that all the time. <laughs> until recently, I had never even dated somebody that I found to be exceptionally attractive because the exceptionally attractive men that I'd come across in my life just didn't turn me on. Well, I've also, I have a friend who models, and she said that uh, most of the guys she's attracted to don't prefer women. Well, there is that. Yeah. When I first moved to New York, somehow I kept ending up in Chelsea when I was learning the layout of the city. And at first I was just like, oh my God, it's this mecca of beautiful men. I've, I've, I've. I found the land of milk and honey, and then I realized they were all holding hands, and then I was very sad. <laughs> Since that does pose a problem of, um, you want to meet someone who's kinky enough, or who's willing to be kinky enough, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to meet someone in the scene. That seems like a catch-22. I guess it depends on what aspect of the scene. What do you mean? How are they involved in the scene? There are the people where this is just a constant. It's who they are. They accept it. They own it. They own all aspects of their sexuality. Even if they're still exploring and uncertain about some things, they've already decided that they're going to own this. And then there are the people who, when they get really turned on, their fetishes and their submissive side comes out but they may hate themselves for it, or it's, it's crude, but as soon as they bust their nut, they regret it. Oh. And when you meet people at random at play parties, it's really hard to be able to tell the difference between who's just really horny and who's just being who they are. So when you say it depends on how they're involved in the scene, you mean you you don't want someone who... You, you, the problem that you, you found is that you don't want someone in the scene who is just the horny and... The horny kind, you know, you want, not or, or vice Not versa. as a personal partner. I enjoy those people thoroughly to, as just play partners because it's really simple. From the very beginning, you understand that this is a limited experience that... Interaction is limited to a very specific thing. And that's understood from the beginning, so it makes it very easy for both people to just do that thing and not want more. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've learned a lot about people, not just sexually, but just in general? Absolutely, yeah. That everybody's absolutely terrified of rejection. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons why you think someone would go? I mean, other than the fact that not being able to find a, uh, find a partner, or maybe they're with someone who is not interested interested so they feel rejected and mm -hmm. so they want to go to a place where they won't because mm -hmm. there's something uh, because that I mean that in and of itself I mean I think even going I've never gone to a pro uh, for a couple different reasons but one of them is because I don't want someone to do something for me you know and that would be a very difficult thing I, I've always kind of Im imagined and if I really wanted to please her, I would give her the money and walk away, you know? I fucking hate that. Well, I just... hate that mentality. I hate that thought. Everybody knows that there are women in the profession who are only doing it for the money. Uh -huh. And most of those don't last more than six months. And it's a six measly months. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going in to play with somebody, you can tell if she's enjoying herself or not. And if she's just going through the motions, unless she's an absolutely brilliant actress, mm -hmm. then, you know, she's got everybody fooled. 
but we're all in it for the same reasons and that's because we want to experience something and I love what I do. I love my clients. If I don't love them, I don't see them again, period. Mm -hmm. I don't do my scenes as a way of catering to somebody else. I make sure that we have similar interests and it just so happens that I'm much more varied than the average person who comes in because I'm a dominant and whatever, that's just the way it goes. But it's so frustrating when you just finish a really great scene and they're like, well, what can I do for you next time? How do I make sure you're happy? And I don't know how to tell them any more clearly that I'm a natural dominant. If anything is happening in the scene that I'm not happy with, I'm not going to ask your permission to change it. I'm just going to change the direction the scene goes mm-hmm. so that I'm always happy. And that hopefully, if all goes well, you know, they'll end up happy as well. But it's not this service that I'm just pandering myself to people's fantasies and fetishes it's just that i can't come up with all the ideas myself so yeah come up with role plays tell me your ideas that sounds really fun and that very well is going to inspire something that ends up in my jack-off journal <laughs> i think that's what i'll call it is my jack-off journal um but yeah it's not this give me the money and that's all i want it it just it helps it allows for us to be available when you want to see us it allows for us to buy fetish things and experience more i i suppose maybe it would be easier for someone who's a switch to understand than someone who is submissive because um um i don't understand what someone would get out of whipping me or beating me or something like that. i just because for me I, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to put myself in that position, obviously. Well, um, I can tell you what I would get out of it. Sure. I'm a reaction fetishist. Above everything, the whole like laundry list of things that I love to do, it all boils down to my two things that are my absolutes. I love torture. Torture doesn't have to be painful. You can do it to absolutely anybody. It doesn't have to be in an S&M context. You can just wear a sexy dress and walk down the street and you know have all the guys begging you for your phone number you know you're tormenting them you're Mm -hmm. torturing them you can use torture with pain and then the the other is i love reaction i love to watch your skin react to what i'm doing to it your breathing your pulse your posture the very way your mind is processing everything just changes and to see that and experience that and touch that and be a part of that is just such a huge turn on to see somebody so strongly reacting to what I'm doing to them. That's one thing I like about service, about doing just plain service, is because it's non-sexual. It's not. I'm not getting anything directly. I guess it out depends it. on what kind of service. Well, full d- service. <laughs> full service. Full service ending. is it sexual? <laughs> but I've never, I've never experienced service that way. Well, well, I should say, I, I've, but I've never called it service whenever it's just been, you know, something sexual. But then it's just sexual. Then uh, you're just a booty call. Then I'm just a booty call. Um, <laughs> but for me, like service, just doing cleaning chores or or, or fixing a computer or geek work or whatever 
Um, it shows that you can still give give to them without just thinking about your libido and your sex. Yes, you know, I've never done service for someone I was in, you know, in any way sexually involved with. So it's oh, always nobody's been, ever said wash my dishes now eat my pussy. No, no. Someday. Someday, ladies. Maybe. maybe. Ladies. Maybe one day. <laughs> I found that because there's uh, uh, because there are a lot of things I'm inexperienced at. And there's a lot of, I have a huge, a long, uh, if, you, if one looks at my uh, FetLife profile, there's a shitload. I mean, I bulk added fetishes that I, that I was curious about. Some that I obviously really enjoy and know that I enjoy. But there's so much more that I have yet to enjoy. That seems to be, uh, depending on the person, either a big turn on or a big turn off. Either they want someone who's experienced in those areas that they're into, or they want someone who is... Uh, there are very few who seem to be uh, who are turned on by the whole newbie aspect of whatever it is you know um, that's true I, I really like novices and newbies first time sessioners have always been my favorite just because you like the look on their face it's, it's probably the expression thing yeah it's the expression and you get to experience something with them for the first time um, they don't know the language they don't know how to articulate what they're looking for so you already have that challenge uh-huh. So it's not, it's kind of like that woman told you, I like dominating the dominant males because I have to take control. Mm-hmm. They're already kind of offering themselves up to submit, but they have no idea what it means, what they want, or how to articulate it. So the, the challenge becomes, instead of dominating them, teaching them how to communicate and figuring out what's true and what's porn that they've been watching mm-hmm. um, and because I'm a sadist and I love intense sensation play pain play things like that taking somebody who's never thought of pain in a positive way before and showing them how it's like wine that's what I say to them every time I ask them I'm like do you know what the trick to enjoying pain is and they say no no what is it? And I'm like, well, do you drink wine? And some will say yes, and some will say no. And if they're big wine drinkers, then I know they'll understand my analogy perfectly. And the first thing that you have to do in in order to enjoy wine is to get over the shock of the taste of the alcohol. If you want to taste the bouquet, if you want to taste the fruits, if you want to taste the barrel, if you want to taste how complex and amazing it is, you have to get over the alcohol taste and if you can't get over the alcohol taste you're never going to like wine it's the same thing with intense sensation pain and play and pain and that if you if you can get over the shock of the pain it's so complex yeah it's so interesting there's hot pain and cold pain and stingy pain like if i scratch you at first it's a cold burn right yes and then you can feel the very specific points where I scratched you but then it starts to melt and it becomes warm and you don't feel those specific scratches anymore it's just the area is warm and just the different ways that our bodies and our brains respond to pain you know we release endorphins and dopamines and you get into subspace because you're basically drugging yourself Mm -hmm. with your own chemistry and if you can show somebody for the very first time that pain doesn't have to suck. It's intoxicating. That 
euphoria on their face, that sudden realization is just beautiful. I'm sorry, did you say something after you scratched me? That wasn't <laughs> I still have marks from that, by the way. Just FYI. Just one small... Just, yeah. She'll be hearing from my lawyer. So coming up uh, next week, talking with... Uh, oop, fries are done. Talking with Dove, and uh, we're going to talk about Rope, and we're going to talk about how he started. And, uh, and yes, to answer your questions, I am going to be interviewing more people outside of New York uh, via Skype. It's just a matter of getting those people lined up. Go ahead and comment or email. Go to massacast.com and all the contact details are there. We will see you in another couple weeks.